we are live hello is that is that your own t-shirt that is my own t-shirt and then i also just got made this little climp chain right here oh that's like, cool i'm just wearing all of my own stuff live look at that little clip is that actually available to be bought? Oh shit! Hold on. There's echo here. <laughs> okay, say that again. Is that available to be bought? That thing? Yes, but I just took it off the store. I'm probably gonna put it back on because usually it's like five items at a time on the store. Ah, uh, okay. That's nice. I like it. Thanks, man. It's a it's a multi-dimensional fuckboy, but it looks like a barcode because initially you think it says fuckboy, but you gotta scan a little deeper to realize it's not something else. What does it actually say? I don't know. <laughs> That's for you to figure out. Hey, it's not as simple as you think. There's real depth here. What's the real depth? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think way too much about it. Something deep. Some deep shit. So you are bedridden and you're eating yep. pistachios or cashews with salmon and a lot of health foods right now, right? Yeah, and salad. I'm doing a lot of fasting um, because... Yeah, I'm thinking if I'm immobile and not doing anything, I may as well do. I gotta have some goals to hit, so that's one of them. Is to start fasting. So you're you're doing something ago. is doing something less, right? You what are you doing? Eating? You can't not move, and you're not eating. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this sounds miserable, man. It's been okay. It's been okay until today, and then I was like, oh, okay. Obviously, this is taking its toll on me. I actually see the surgeon on Friday. Mm, and how is it how's it working you still in pain so far the leg has been getting a lot stronger every day so i'm hoping by friday he's just gonna be like go heal get off these crutches it's the brace like this stiff brace they have me wearing which locks the leg straight that's what i want to get rid of and want to get started with the whole recovery you're going to be literal literal doctor house now i am a doctor house i have the drugs as well they gave me like morphine and codeine and Oh my god, man! Yeah, so I am that that cranky <laughs> lunatic with a with a limp who's addicted to painkillers now. Oh, wonderful! And you get to diagnose people like nonchalantly too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which actually, I spoke to somebody today. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh. Two weeks ago, they were telling me about a situation that was brewing with a, a romantic situation they were in. They were like, "I'm really not clear about this. I'm really not clear about it." And I'm like, "Well, I am." The storms are coming. And then when I spoke to her again. The storm had been, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. There's a, there's a, you know we talk about a lot in like the narcissistic abuse communities where, um, and we've we've both had the experience where you just put blinders on. You want to stay in the relationship, and you don't see all of the information that's been giving you that the person's really bad news. Right. And then afterwards, we're like, oh, wow, they were so sneaky. They were so covert. It's like, no, motherfucker, they weren't. They were in your face. <laughs> they told you they were bad. They told you they were they were crazy or, or whatever it is. Do you think do you think people are would be aware of that if they've never gone through it? Because I think that's what everybody can relate to. It's like you're not you're not aware of those types of behaviors when they're happening because it's like a new language that you're unaware of. So it's hard to tell, like. If you've never experienced it before, like what those things are, I think I think there's a couple of things. Like one is like the the narcissistic personality, the psychopathic personality has been practicing their whole life to do one thing, which is mm -hmm. to eat souls and yes. deceive. Yes. And then the other element of it is 
and this is new for me based on the video that I released last week that I told you about. There's a bit of drama that came off the back of it where, yes, you have the, the personality type is quite skilled at what they're doing, but a lot of us are completely infantile when it comes to love. And we carry so much junk and so much dreck around in our heads that when you even remotely challenge, the, the big clue was when I released that video on being single and being happy, is if you even, that's a slight challenge to somebody's worldview. Right. Uh, and there was a huge response. It wasn't like I was saying, all Christians are, I don't know, morons. Then I would expect big pushback. But this was like, hey, I think it's cool to be in love and I'm happy if you're happy and you're in a relationship, that's good. Me right now, I really don't wanna do that, but I'm happy. And people went fucking berserk, a minority, a minority. But even so, I was like, aha, okay, this is not the response I would ever have expected. If anything, I thought that video was almost too boring to release. And it got like 22,000 views and a ton of comments inside of six days. I was hoping that you'd bring that up because I want to get into it because it, right. it seems because like, first of all, I actually really liked the video and it was crazy to see how many views it got in a short period of time too, but I didn't get to see the comments while the drama was happening and I'm kicking myself yeah. in the ass for that. But um, yeah, I we I want to know what your like insight is when it comes to why people are so heavily offended and triggered off of that notion because in my videos and the recent anything video hinted at that as well not no no not the latest one but the one with where i was with the girl in it basically implying that you know i like to flip like all over the place not just with one flip you know and that notion itself seems to really really rock worldviews that are heavily ingrained in the let's say social fabric like if you yeah. poke at the idea of it's not even in your case it wasn't even necessarily about polygamy it wasn't like a polyamory it wasn't even but but people like, were insisting it was they were like you're uh, some guy said are you now campaigning for polyamory and i was like i'm a life coach i mean i'm not a politician i'm not an sjw i don't campaign for shit you know if i was gonna campaign for something it would be like mental health awareness for teens but even that i'm not a campaign guy that's, that's another layer i think that's it's for another topic but i do want to ask you about that too but the idea that when you talk about anything people yeah. automatically assume that there is a long-form agenda because you bring yeah. up a subject you have like an intention you're trying to convince other people of like a do you know whose fault you know whose fault that is huh it's your fault. No, it's, it's America's my fault. fault. I it's, <laughs> it's America's fault. It's America's fault. Um, because we all follow in the footsteps of America, right? And what America's had, um, I've gotten more and more into politics in the last few years. But if you go back and look at the writings of the presidents moving on from where they lost, from where America moved away from the gold standard late 20s 30s 40s 50s and then 60s there was a ton of presidents were saying when they weren't exploiting the system watch out watch out watch out watch out we're drifting we're drifting we're drifting we're losing this watch out watch out watch out we don't and uh, nobody did anything about it. nobody listened to them or if they did listen to them they blow their fucking brains out the back of their skull so you had this movement towards broad scale it's not just corruption like financial corruption is inevitable 
it was like an intellectual corruption. And they were saying, we were all warned, watch out. And basically, it's a sports team mentality. Right. When you when you blur the boundaries between politics, media, entertainment, industry, and the military, you have a fucking problem on your hands, and you're only going to end up in one spot. And the spot that you're going to end up in is this one. So the reason why everybody is so ideologically infected, and this is an ideological infection, is because they think binary. And this is amusing to me because we live in an era where thinking binary is wrong. Everybody should be uh, non-binary. And I'm like, but you people who advocate for non-binary are binary as fuck. You're thinking, yeah. I'm. T so I would say intellectually, I'm non-binary. I'm against it. We only choose binary ways of thinking because we have two hands. That's all. If we had three, we would have triads of thought. But we have two. So it's like you're either on the left or you're on the right. That's even how we talk about politics. That's how fucking dumb we are as monkeys. You're either on my left hand or you're on my right hand. Well, that's a really clever way of doing it, you fucking stupid primates. So you're either on my team or you're not. And the drift towards that has gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. You're not allowed. There are many new taboos that are invisible. But one of them is you're not allowed to ask a simple open-ended conversational question it's a taboo yes 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 i've seen that in many things and the whole dialogue is about how everything doesn't exactly even have boundaries there's not like you know men and women are equal but then the arguments to prove that they're both equal is so heavily divided right down yeah. the center by proving how equal we are we're leaning towards one way more than the other to go off on the idea of like you can't ask an open-ended question i had a, had a live stream question that was like can ah fuck, what was it can men and women get along or something like that and then mm -hmm. one person comes in and just goes what kind of idiotic question is that if you're gonna if you're here to pull out like pull your and push your leftist agenda when it comes to the texas dynamic of the two it's just like hold up it's just a question why are you implying that i'm even on one side or the other and how do you even know my opinion even if i right. did have an opinion it doesn't mean i'm pushing an agenda it's like yeah. everybody, I think the sports analogy is a really good way that you're putting it. It's like when you, I don't know, fucking football, American football, there's like a whole strategy of this team goes this for the end goal of getting the ball towards the touchdown line or whatever the fuck you call it, end zone. And so end they zone. think that just by saying something, it's passing a ball and having everybody strategize to like manage it. When really and you're you, just kind of just tossing a ball. It's not just tossing no a ball. There's no play. You're either... You're either on the pitch in the game running with the ball or you're cheering like fuck. Yeah. So so that's the two things that people do. They either campaign, they run with the ball, or they're on the sidelines and they are waving that red flag and cheering for Team Red. And when Team Blue gets it, they boo like – and they, they're trained to think that that's the way to get your version of the world inculcated, enacted. Cheer like fuck, boo like fuck. If you get the ball, you run like fuck. You don't get the ball and go, hey, maybe my opposition should have the ball right now. Maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe their point. Maybe it's time for them to win some points. Or maybe we don't need to play the stupid game. Maybe we don't need to be on this fucking pitch. Why don't we all go and meet outside in the car park and smoke DMT and fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say something here that I can't say on my channel.
And flip. Yeah. Everybody go outside, snort cocaine. And yeah. Flip. So, okay. So, to go back on how the. So, I, I'm so sad that all of those comments are gone because every time. I, I have to delete them because it's a. Every single comment that's there sits there as this evil negative spell that brings everybody down when they read it. Yeah, so it like, even even one of my uh, close real life friends. In fact, I have like at least one real life friend, and she was like, "Yeah, when they see one person sending a negative comment, it's like the okay, like all right, one person said something negative, therefore it's my permission to actually just lay in on them." And, you get mobbed. You get mobbed if you let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really curious to see. I'm just, I love the justifications for hate comments and negativity because it's just so fascinating to see like what is instigating someone's emotional trigger so deeply that they're willing to say something like that to a stranger on the internet, like and through a video that of you, you, you don't cuss in your videos barely. You're not condemning anybody. You're not talking shit. You're not being judgmental. And then, it's and this particular topic specifically too just seems to really get under people's skin, and I and I'm just so yeah. curious on why. I the I think there's a psychiatric explanation, which is that um, I'll try and say this in as few words as I can. This this thing this thing this thing yeah. and YouTube is replacing intimate connection with human beings in the real world. What that means and the access to this and the amount of usage I have online, any human has online, the more I use it, the more internalized it becomes. So we now have extremely poor boundaries with our phones, extremely poor boundaries with our devices, our apps and with YouTube and with the people on YouTube. So I've internalized the medium, which is YouTube. I've internalized the messenger, which is Pierre. He now exists as an avatar inside my head. He is not external to me. My, my phone is not external. YouTube is not external. Pierre is not external. And when he speaks, that's me talking. He's part of me. So if a part of me starts saying something that I don't agree with because I don't have good boundaries, mm. I'm not that intellectually diligent, I'm not using my critical thinking, I have an extreme emotional reaction brought on by the stress, which is called cognitive dissonance. So if you say something that goes that I think goes against my core values, I have to fight to suppress you because I can't deal with that internal voice. Wow. Okay. That's fascinating. It's like the, uh, the angel and devil on your shoulders, but both of them are supposed to be angels. And then one of them end up saying something that's a little more evil against your own worldview. And it evil. makes you, you evil's the right word. It's cast mythically. I mean, it's, what I said was experienced by people as an evil message. Um, I, I, I don't care who denies this. It was absolutely internalized as an evil corrupting message that would make the world a worse place. I wanted to do a follow-up video that said everybody should drown puppies every day to see if I could get the same level of emotional response just as a test because it's like I was saying that. Okay, now that's what I want to tap into why why this particular subject and the nuance of this particular subject i honestly think if you were to say that on a stream you should drown puppies like 
I don't think people would freak out that that much. You know, it's like there's a different type of outrage when it's so obvious that somebody's in the wrong. Because like, right. you know, if you go, if you Jake Paul, the thing, the suicide force, like whatever, that's obviously going to build some outrage. That's like fairly justified. Like you shouldn't do that. You know, everyone yeah. has a decent moral compass enough to know that. But when it's like this weird, ambiguous uh, statement that doesn't necessarily have a black or white answer to it and then on top of that the specific topic of that's one it's not even about monogamy and that's the thing it's like that breeds a different sort of negative comment like a hate comment that isn't even grounded in a weird way yeah you well it's not grounded because you've induced one has induced an emotional flashback i was inviting people to think and i used long words uh multi-syllabic words that were above that which an intelligent 12 year old could understand that can induce rage can induce real rage i was not saying i'm for this or for that so then i'm forcing people to understand difficult words to understand intricately composed sentences because i wasn't i did it off the cuff look i made that video because i have a russian editor who's 19 have you spoken to max my russian editor i know had, of him. i haven't spoken you know of max yeah and he said it's valentine's day uh he's like Tavarish, it's valentine's day why not make a video about love and i just set it up and did one so yeah. it was off the top and i was like i watched it back and i was like this is boring this is way too boring but then when i analyzed the 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 reactions to it yes it invites you to think and that will make people angry if you make people feel stupid you'll make them angry if you aren't clear about what side you're on, you make them angry because then they're like, oh, me not, uh, what he say, me not like, uh, uh, kill him, kill him. That's, <laughs> Just calm down. I'm inviting that, you to yeah. think. That makes a lot more sense because it's one thing if you were to do something universally morally incorrect, you stab somebody, right? That's pretty fucked up. Or if you, you know, obviously a virtue signaling, everyone love each other, right? So there's, there's very concrete ways to react to that. But nothing freaks people out more than ambiguity and the concept that you'd be introducing or something that doesn't have a clear-cut moral definition, whether it's red, blue, black, white, you know, right or wrong. And it seems like the way to truly irritate somebody and get under their skin is to introduce something like what you were talking about in that video and videos of mine where it forces them to kind of weigh out these two options and they can't choose one, but then maybe it's an overcompensation thing at that point of chaos where they, they're, they're so ambiguous at that point where they have to compensate on one side just so they can get an answer for it. What they're trying to do is they're trying, I mean, you know, I, I'm dancing around this. It's a perfectly narcissistic process. If I internalize you, I and demand that you behave a certain way, if I've consumed you, that's total narcissism. That's textbook narcissistic personality disorder behavior. If I respond with volatility and extreme emotional dysregulation to you expressing your individuality. So I said, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. And you get an emotional response out that's strong and vengeful and you're, you feel a strong desire to, um, to punish me. Uh, it's talionic punishment. You made me feel bad. Now I must come after you. That's acting like a borderline. So you're having completely perfect, picture perfect, malignant, borderline, personality disordered behavior play out. 
in that way. I have to make you act the way I want. You have diverged, Richard. You will be punished severely until you say sorry and fall back in line. Now, isn't that exactly what all the SJWs want? Mm -hmm. Yes. Say sorry, I, fall back in line or be deplatformed. You know, it it does go into the conspiracy agenda world by, by me saying this, but in my experiences, it's very difficult to meet people uh, in my life or online or, or something like this that are genuinely respectful of a person's autonomy, where for some right. reason, at a certain level of knowing somebody, they feel entitled and they possess an element of you, or there's something that you would do, and then they would automatically assume that they have the right to tell you that they don't agree with what you're doing, and you shouldn't do it in like this weird i own you possess the this side of you and because i don't i don't agree with how you're acting here i i i me i i feel like i know what you should be doing right and this comes from like there's the psychiatric explanation and there's a philosophical explanation for it so for exactly what you're talking about actually has a term for it i only learned it this week uh, anthony of 21 studios his favorite philosopher um, is a woman, it's Anne Rand, uh, who created a, a school of philosophy that he's been teaching me about called objectivism. And she spoke about the difference between, I think it's the primacy of consciousness versus the primacy of reason. So some people have as a primary template, how do I subjectively feel about this reality internally? And other people have a primacy of reason where they're like, well, this is how I feel, but let's put a gap between how I feel and what I think is the actual reality out there. Hmm. When okay. you have your conscious experience, your subjective experience as the as the primal state that you're coming from, of course, you're going to respond this way. Of course you are. But this on the conspiracy note has been deliberately indoctrinated into people. This is what propaganda does. This is this is what consuming too much mainstream media does. It's too much TV now because you've consumed because you're consuming six to seven hours of that fucking soul destroying dog shite every day. You now have primacy of consciousness and you're no longer interested in facts. You're only interested in trying to recruit people as externalized objects to regulate your personal emotions, which is using them as an emotional dildo. Emotional dildo. That sounds like fun. So I'm thinking like. <laughs> sounds like a Wednesday night in. <laughs> sounds like Wednesday night on Tentacle Croissant. Um, so what I'm thinking is like, because of the sheer amount of it, the people that I've met throughout the years and through the platform and just the overall conversation and the social dynamics and stuff, I've just seen, like you're saying, the subjective immediacy, like kind of like viewing things primarily through your own lens and then seeing the world like that. I feel like that's how most people operate. So is it more of a human a natural human behavior to look at things like that and feel like you are entitled to an element of it? Or is it more uh, novel and different, the fact that you know you can put a barrier and look at the objective truth? Okay, so I need to correct myself. It's actually primary of consciousness versus primacy of existence. So and I'm looking at the, he screen caps the Anne, Anne Rand lexicon for me, just in case there's any Anne Rand people here that will be like, hey, you got that wrong. It's uh, the primacy of existence. Yes, it's very human, but I would argue it's animalistic. Uh, a dog only knows its subjective experience. A pig only knows its yeah. subjective experience. As evolved humans, 
seeking to evolve, seeking to take every scrap of intelligence that we were given to by God, nature or both, and to use it to the best of our abilities, we must have a primacy of existence in place. We have to learn to use our consciousness and to use it carefully as a tool in a boundaried, structured, disciplined way, or we'll forever be at the mercy of our own feelings and of the predations of abusive types. What's what's hard for me to take in is the fact that it's, man, the, the, the natural social dynamics of the average person and just being around different kinds of people and group settings and individual settings. And even, I mean, being around really intelligent people, you know, who are fairly well-rounded and cultured and stuff like that, there's still an element of them that just won't purely respect autonomy. You know, it, it's for some reason, I think, I mean, you could, I guess you could uh, relay this back to the tribal behaviors. If one person acts out of line with the code of conduct of the group, they're out, yeah. outcasted sort of a thing. And yes. I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's not even about going out there and, you know, murdering babies and stuff. I mean, that's something right. to ostracize, ostracize someone for, but it's like just something as simple as, you know, you, you said a certain word or you're wearing a particular color or, you yeah. know, you have facial growing out in this weird part of your neck or something. And it's just like, that's not right. And I am entitled to my opinion that I am right. And you shouldn't do that. I think, I think that's where, you know, when people try and raise the polyamory versus monogamy issue with me, somebody said, well, what do you think of polyamory? So I sat for a minute and I really thought about it and I came out of it and I was like, I don't care. It just doesn't <laughs> seem, I don't fucking care. It's not important. What do you think about homosexuals? And I'm like, well, it's a fairly modern social category. My website is called Spartan Life Coach. I love samurai culture. It would be very difficult for me to think homosexuality was awful and a sin and deserved death and still be calling myself Spartan Life Coach and still be down for samurai culture where what we call homosexuality was 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 widely practiced gender fluidity what people bait me on that what do you think and i'm like humans have always had gender fluidity gender's a social construct it comes and it goes sometimes men can have facial hair sometimes it's not right for them to have facial hair sometimes you know men have makeup sometimes they don't a samurai would never leave his dream of leaving his house without makeup. I told you recently about the Spartans. They always did their hair before battle. A samurai wouldn't dream of going into battle with disheveled hair. You just wouldn't do it. You would lacquer your hair. You would check it in a mirror. They had these weird but beautiful, highly cultured hairstyles that only the samurai could have. A Spartan warrior could grow his hair long. And uh, they described in, in, in the, the Battle of Thermopylae, right before they were killed, they took the time before facing death to do their hair. Why? So the corpses would look good, homie. They wanted to look sweet. They could have taken selfies. They fucking well wanted them. So all of this is like, bleh, why do you care? What, you know, what, who, we've always had it. We're gender fluid now. Like what's cool now wasn't what was cool in 2010. And you're like, well, that wasn't gender fluidity. I'm like, yes, it is. It is. It's moving all the time. It's extremely dynamic. Sometimes I think it is about like people will say, oh, I'm a Christian or, oh, I care about subject X or, oh, I'm into this political stance. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're lonely. You're angry and you're sad and you want to be heard. And you're picking up a stick and using that. I think most people in their heart of hearts don't really give a shit, for example, about polyamory. What does it mean? I mean, what the fuck is, what is polyamory? You have sex with multiple people? Well, most human beings on the planet do. 
I checked it out. The average number of sexual partners of the average human being on this earth is three. So we're all polyamorous to that extent. I mean, like, I think like the baseline for all of this is, is generally a fear of something because like, why the hell else would you fear the idea of polyamory, homosexuality, gender fluidity and all that stuff? Because generally it doesn't harm anybody but i mean some people can make the case that it does i mean I, i'm curious to hear the argument jordan for peterson that. did jordan peterson did yeah really? yeah like he a... said that he said that he said well having sex with a lot of people it, it, it's just wrong it's just yeah. wrong and i'm like why jordan because you didn't get the opportunity to do it because you hooked up for life with the first girl you got with take right. that querulous tone out of your voice have a wank and get back to me you know <laughs> There's a difference between having a legitimate philosophical point to make and just being jealous because you lived a different life. Right. And I get I get the notion of, you know, ostracizing a worldview that's genuinely harmful, whether that be like, you know, fucking there's like school shooting culture and like all these other types of things that are genuinely really harmful and pushing ideas that can hurt people. But there's some objective things like what we're saying right now is just like, what is the fear that underlies everything here? Because the, you ha have to really rationalize about this particular lifestyle that's why is it so harmful and what what are you so emotionally triggered about when you hear about somebody that is gay and polyamorous Je get they're just jealous the ones who are who are furious with gays is because you know guys i got beaten up as you know i told you and i got beaten up by a guy who was gay bashing oh yeah so, i got glassed i got glassed in yeah the, okay yeah 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 and so ever since that day, I'm just like, well, so I'm interested in the psychology of why people beat up gays. I'm like, it's probably like guys who go out and beat up other guys who they think are gay. They probably want more cocks in their face. That's what they want. And they're angry because you've got more than they have. If you're angry with people who are polyamorous, it's probably because you want to have more varied sexual experiences with more people. What other motivation could it be other than just pure jealousy? Man, the huge terror that other people are experiencing something that I am precluded and excluded from. For the longest time, I had a really, really hard time even acknowledging the concept of envy and jealousy. It was something that never really came to me naturally. And I never understood the idea of insecurity and projection, compensation and competition. That thing was so different for me because, I mean, for one, I was fairly isolated. So I never very, I never really viewed the world uh, externally. Everything was like really internal. And I never really saw the relationship between the, the social hierarchy and how people interact and why someone's jealous of somebody else. And it, still to this day, I've, I can only understand it through an academic sense of like, right. oh, people get jealous because this, but they would react because they want to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And and still, there's a part of it that I still have to like read about to fully get. Yeah, no, you've got to alter your map of reality on that one, because if you don't, you're vulnerable to the machinations of, of, of people who are petty. If you have options, it's hard for you to understand what it's like to live in the world of somebody who doesn't have options. To wit, to woo, show me the person who's campaigning to control the sexual behavior of others who's actually sexually attractive themselves. They never are. You notice that? They never are. Show me one example of a handsome man who's out there 
trying to control the sexual behavior, saying like, I don't know, he's got beef with lesbians. It's the worst thing in the world for two girls to hook up. And he's trying to stop him. Show me that, show me that guy. Show me the woman who's standing in the streets, furious, sweating, trying to get people to stop saying or doing or, or this, it's got nothing to do with her. Show me the hot one. Show me the one with all of those who's high, what do they would call it in the sexual hierarchy or the sexual marketplace, who has those options. It's poor people who campaign for socialism. Show me the fucking mega wealthy socialist. Doesn't exist. So it's a it's a very cynical uh, um, sort of philosophy that I would present to you, but it seems to be functional. Humans are evolved to jealously guard the limited resources in the environment, be that sex, food, status, whatever, survivability of offspring. And they get nasty in the guarding of those precious resources. That's a primal animalistic survival instinct. So I think the jealousy, I don't want to get jealousy and envy mixed up. Do you remember what the difference was between jealousy and envy? I, I don't. I, I At one point, I understood the difference, but I totally I think forgot. envy is like, if you have social status and I don't, I want to get where you are. But if I'm jealous, if I'm if you try and take something from me and I jealously guard it, I think it's like that. I think I think that's the difference. But so I would always look at options, power, control. And that's a more in a psychoanalytic sense. That's more in line with Adler than it would be with Freud or Jung. So you go, well, where, where's as soon as you look for a power dynamic, you go, oh, OK, I figured it out. There's the power dynamic. You're trying to stop people from getting something that you can't have. Okay, now I understand why you're acting like such a crazy person. So in the case of going online and saying, hey, I'm free and I have choices, the rageful response will be coming from people who are not free and don't have choices and don't want you to have the thing that they can't have. How weird, man. How human. It's because, I mean, I, I think I just grew up really differently. I don't know if it's a cultural difference. I mean, there's a lot of other factors that are, are played into this, but I mean, the, the, even the idea of competition, of being better than somebody, even to a point where it's overt. The only type of competition that I would probably be in tune with is like with myself, you know, wanting to be better for in my competing against myself in, in this weird way. But I never really like would go out of my way to look at somebody and feel like I'm going to be better than this external form that's outside of me. Because you re you rejected you rejected the competition game. You've your whole yeah. life, your whole identity is based on a rebellion from the social competition game. Right. You've rejected it. You've thrown you've thrown grenades on it. You've burnt that bridge. <laughs> yes. You've seen American capitalism. You've seen American competition. Uh, you've lived in the heart of it in uh, in California, and you've said fuck this and turned your back on it. So it. It literally well, and then you microdosed a load of acid, which probably also affected it. But there is there is no. It would be very difficult for you to to internalize it unless you go back to Orange County and take off all makeup and all externally observable symbols of difference and of rebellion and of a statement that goes against and go and work in Starbucks for six months, and then we'll see how you feel. I see. Okay. What do you think of this general mode of behavior? Like, does it benefit us as a society? And or is there a better way to go about how we communicate and interact with each other? Because this, I mean, this format is great for modern day capitalism to have everybody competing against each other. It's fantastic. But is, yeah. I mean, is there another option? Is it possible to live without the external uh, competition between each other? 
is it possible to just behave and interact with each other without any of the craziness that's that's like um an evolutionary question that's like the aliens when they they have a list of planets that they're going through with semi-intelligent life on and then they go through the list and they show up outside of our planet and they're like we kind of need to build a highway here yeah. and they're kind of in the way are they worth keeping or not and then they'll argue about it and they go no not really and they'll have like a whole checklist of where we're up to you know where they're up to in terms of their military where they're up to in terms of their education in terms of their sexual behavior in terms of and they'll have a whole checklist that's the same and we might just be right teetering on the edge of like evolution or not but that's the aliens evolutionary question is like can these guys get past chimp level dominance games or not and how quickly can they and do they want to it's not like where where is the species going oh my god i i want to fuck my neighbor's wife i hate myself what can i make to make better they're not doing we're not doing that we just go with it we feel it we go with it we feel it we go with it we feel it, we go with it and then we have a minority of people who i think in a certain sense are at the the higher end of the evolutionary spearhead but they're at the very small tip of it who aren't in that state but the majority of an unreasonable majority will smash a reasonable minority flat every fucking time that's right so the only solution is for the the reasonable minority to stop being so fucking reasonable and getting caught up in aristotelian debates about the nature of words and you know and to take action and, and take control and be like no it should be me that's in control because you guys are fucking it up yeah that's one thing that i've definitely thought for a while now i mean you, you know you've heard about like the what's it called the Cato, the categories and type zero type one civilizations and stuff like that and we're still i don't think we're even type one yet we're still type is that zero. is that from fiction or is it is it like i think it it is slightly fiction but it, it's like a sci-fi thing but it's it, it, yeah. it's still like applicable to actual let me, I, let me look this up. i was drawing from douglas adams's book um the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy when i said yeah. that pure That's science fiction star trek definitely definitely fucked around with that concept it's called the kardashev scale okay. the measure of technological advancement of humanity type three so there's type three civilizations that were not type one yet and it's um trying to look for one that's a little less okay type one planetary civilization can use and store all the energy available on the planet okay. the type two is using energy at the scale of the stellar system that it's a part of and then type three is being able to control the energy of the host of the galaxy. I thought this would be a lot more social, but I guess it's more technological. But I guess you could apply it to the social advancement. There are, there are definitely sci-fi books. I mean, I'm sure Isaac Asimov would have given it a go at some point. I know that Frank Herbert did. Um, yeah, I mean, it, if you start thinking in that um, dimension, which is a useful philosophical exercise, if you start thinking about the world in terms of science fiction, that's where you end up. You start going, well, what's wrong with us? Where are we up to? Like, what Before are we- Before I forget, um, I wanna go back to what you were saying about the reasonable minority. And this is something that I've really noticed and I'm like, okay, so you do, you do have genu genuinely intellectual, philosophical, reasonable people that exist in the world. And we just happen to run into a good, a good amount of them compared to like you know, how much Jake Paul would run into on a daily basis sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. But my biggest issue with the reasonable minority is that they don't do anything. You're like, the reasonable minority. Why aren't you doing anything? 
<laughs> it's like you got the brains and you're too busy thinking about shit still. If somebody told you to do something about it, how would you feel? If somebody said, okay, Pierre, it's time for you to engage politically, how do you feel? Um, like what I would do or how I would feel about it? How you would feel. Um, I mean, kind of defensive, right? I, I feel enormous apathy um, and dread and a kind of terror. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that because I don't want power over other people's lives. But the people who want to be in control ask the same question would feel excitement. Okay. I see. Their, nip their nipples would get hard. They'd start rubbing them. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Because like the the more intellectual types, they don't want to have a play in this. They they know how fucked up the world is and how they don't want to even have a fucking hand in controlling others. Yes, but think. See. You're you're 27 now, and I will turn you as cynical as I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm already they, almost there, man. The only thing that's making me happy are these box braids, bro. And they're still trying to take that away from me too. Shit. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the the I think I think that the the key um, sort of element to it comes back to this kind of like primal survivalism kind of thing, where you have to feel imagine thought experiment time you're going to be offered the role of looking after the lives of say for example in america which a few weeks ago topped out at 330 million people right and i'm going to say to you you're going to run that project it has 330 million people in it the level of fucking entitlement that you would have to feel to feel <laughs> as though you had the answers is off the scale off the scale that's why when people come to me they go how should i live I'm like i don't fucking know <laughs> i put my socks on backwards this morning what do you want for i don't fucking know you should live. i don't that's know point, man yeah the it's, even, it's crazy even the, the smaller scale of like our platforms and i'm even a smaller version of what you're doing where it's like sure i have insight and i'll be willing to say how i believe about things but then when someone directly comes up to me and asks for how to live their life or just straight advice i'm just like that's not for me to answer and i don't really want the responsibility of giving you the answer because that's a lot of pressure on my end because if it's not the right answer which i am at least i have the humility to admit that I, maybe i'm wrong <laughs> You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that does make a lot of sense in that case. So uh, the, the Zizek solution would be to take reasonable people, uh, have a revolution and force them into positions of power at gunpoint. And they'd just be like, comrade, your your hour has come. And you go, I don't, I don't want to do that. And it's like, well, you're going to. We're going to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, and then if... If a person does get in that situation, they generally generally are shot. I think if anybody who has a decent message or the ones that get assassinated. Well, it 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 depends on what the system is, and you know, I, I for me, and this again is the reasonable minority always comes to this conclusion: is if I go into politics, there is only two outcomes really. One, they turn me and I become just as bad as them or they entrap me with some blackmail me or threaten me um, or I get shot. 
neither option sounds good. So if you, it's like chess, you play the moves forward. What does year one of my political career look like? What does year 10 look like? What does year 15 look like? Oh, I got to prime minister. Da, da, da. Now what? You know, eventually I'm going to fold or I'm going to turn. There isn't going to be a utopia at the end of that. It's a, it's a tragedy waiting to happen. So that's why I would opt out of it. I'd go, no, thanks. It'd make a great story for some other fucker to read, but I don't want my life to be a great story. I want my life to be good. <laughs> Interesting. Is it reasonable to just try? Like we were talking about something before, and I brought up the idea of the uh, of practical delusion. If you want to succeed at something or be really good at something, let's take, for example, like Muhammad Ali, right? Just this master boxer to the point of delusion almost like he convinced himself that he was the best boxer doing things that were practically almost physically impossible in the ring and training and all of these things too where there's almost this um this utility in being delusional if it's placed correctly somewhere and i think that there is definitely a, a use in that i mean like i don't think that I would have gotten out here with what I'm doing now if I wasn't just even slightly delusional with what I could maybe do. Yeah. Um, you want to know what the end result of like a delusional level of confidence is? Narcissism. Narciss narcissism. Um, there, there was a president who was made president largely because his father used uh, organized crime to put him in place. And the mob bosses told him, we're going to help you. We're going to get you voted in. We're going to put you in place. But remember, we put you there. Remember who put you in place. And his name was JFK. And he was delusional. And he was on drugs a lot of the time as well. And they, they, they shot him. He was told. It was like a lot of, you know, they were told. They were warned. Him and his brother and his father were warned. You've got to toe the line. But they were delusional. Totally fucking delusional. Not... I don't think he's the saint that a lot of people try and remember him as at all. And I think it goes way beyond just womanizing. I think the guy was a delusional egomaniac, highly narcissistic, though I agreed with a lot of uh, his political um, stance. Um, but yeah, it was delusional. And eventually the system, the system spits you out. Uh, is it, is it intelligent to try? No, it's not intelligent to try um, strategically from a military strategy point of view, you're kind of, you're playing the game based on their rules and they will chew you up. Uh, to me, when I look at it, I'm like, no, what is required is a revolution of consciousness. So it's not political. I don't have a political ideology that I think is superior to other people's political ideology. I think the problem is ideology and the policy. The, the problem is politics. So I would be looking at a much more psychedelic. I mean that euphemistically it's not necessarily everybody needs to take drugs but people do need to grasp a psychedelic perspective of reality that will allow us to move forward so our evolution won't be politics or economics it has to come from consciousness it's the only way out so to go off on that strangely enough if it's primarily based on consciousness and all of us are fairly delusional in our own subjective frame of the world it's almost like delusion runs our culture it 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 collectively changes and moves and progresses or regresses how we interact with each other and the techno technological advancements and stuff seems to be based on something that's just in the air that would be almost delusional to even come up with the concept of oh by the way one day you're gonna have computers in your pocket that you could 
we could stream like in real time across the world like this. I mean, that's practically a delusion, especially if you were to mention that 40 years ago. That's exactly what Zizek means when he says this is ideology at its purest. You've just changed the word ideology for delusion in the air. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. But our delusion to sort of hack what he says is so complete that part of our delusion prevents us from seeing that we are in a delusion. So our grander delusion is that we are awake and that we are free. And that's what traps us. As he says, we don't even have the language to describe our own unfreedom. And that's what keeps us trapped. Is there a way to live a life without delusion slash ideology? Yeah, that's what we're doing. I'm doing it in my way. You're doing it in your way. But it, you can, you can, but you know what the costs are. I know what the costs are. It's not pleasant. It's not easy. Costs. But, you know, what's interesting to me is like, sure, the idea of how delusion is prominent everywhere, and it's not necessarily the best answer in how to run society and how it powers all of us, but it seems to be the most powerful. So is it a matter of just picking the right frame of delusion or ideology for that time contextually? Is that the answer? It's just trying to figure out what it is in that speck of however a decade or so in the grand span of how long the earth is here kind of i don't think um i don't think it's applicable or useful or reasonable and even terence my god i'm stoned out of my mind mckenna agreed with at this point um he said it's not we shouldn't dissolve the ego he's like we, we're not ready for that we're not ready to live in total ego dissolution we're not ready to be zen monks so yes we will need a level of delusion so if we're going to have make a nuance point i would say we need less delusion less ideology uh, less exploitation i am not against capitalism i think that you should have your things i like individualism i think you should get to be you you should compete you should have your things you should be recognized that's a good thing i'm against broad-scale corporatism, consumerism, and really rampant, aggressive individualism. That's not good. That's not good. We, we, we see the consequences of that right now. My, my idea as I was uh, going through my Terrence McKenna phase, aka tripping balls for a good three months straight or whatever, I realized that maybe, just maybe, the whole, the novelty and the fun and what makes life worth living as a human being is a part of the chaotic ignorance that encapsulates us because right. i don't think we're ready to be zen monks and who the fuck wants to do that really you know who really wants to omit the smartphone omit the free pornography on the internet here and doing all of these indulgent dumb human behaviors whether it be you know having a drink at a pub partying somewhere or not necessarily you have to live a hedonistic life but it's just the option is there and the good majority of people that exist you know we're so far behind our spiritual evolution that maybe what if this time period sure we can we should obviously try to progress a bit more but what if the magic of this time period was just to be kind of dumb i think that you can have a balance i think that you can be um dumb and self-indulgent 
if you know when you're being dumb and self-indulgent, you go, okay, I am going to drink alcohol now. I'm going to go out. I'm going to listen to mumble rap or trap or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. I'm listening to. And um, I'm going to enjoy myself for a period of time, but this is not a way of life. This is not all I am. This is just something I'm doing right now. So awareness is part of it. My hope comes from the fact that I do think humanity where it's up to in terms of the hardware the meat is ready for the consciousness evolution that i'm talking about that doesn't need to be that much different than how we are so to the aliens grading the planet from an outsider's perspective it's a collective change in consciousness behavior but it's not huge it's not a huge one it's it's just a few steps in the right direction if we tell our politicians to fuck off more and we hold people to more accounts i don't think we need a violent revolution i don't need I think we need to overthrow the old institutions i don't think a lot but we do clearly need more critical thought we need to think more clearly we've got to stop watching so much fucking tv got to read more books we've got to learn to debate to think to be philosophical in our own lives and to draw our own uh, conclusions we need to know how to please ourselves with our own agency so you were talking about having fun and having a good time if you can claim that fun back and that enjoyment back so that you don't need the internet so you don't need a tv so you don't need films so you don't need anything that is taxed therefore no government pokey pokey with the tentacles that would be good that would be really good for everybody so i have a sci-fi theory what if technology progresses to a point where, you know, we're eventually going to get like cyberkinetic implants somewhere in the brain or just like downloadable contact lenses or stuff like that, where we're almost hooked into the, the motherboard where we can access every bit of information at once. And we basically like Matrix just downloaded like Kung Fu knowledge in the span of two seconds. It can just download information like the fifth element of seeing all of humanity in, in one second where there's almost a maybe a download or a patch where it overrides natural egoic human instinct how would that change us as a species and would that could that be an answer to progressing as a species or would that just like send us way back no i don't think it would send us way back it's just i would hope that we i mean you know what my stance is on ayahuasca and psychedelics i'm like we can get there without that shit that's, that's true Dumbo's, it's dumbo's magic feather the the chip that you're talking about would help but how sad that we would need that kind of technological intervention when all you really need is like just enjoy talking and enjoy thinking that's it if but you it, if you can if we can train people if you could seduce people into enjoying the process of thinking and enjoying the process of debate and thinking things through everybody comes to similar conclusions if they're authentically philosophical over a long enough period of time but if you only told, the true sorry if, if you told a dumb person that they wouldn't even know where to begin but if you gave them hey i have a usb stick just stick it up your rectum and then you'll learn how to debate and enjoy free thought could that be the answer for it you just download the patch of the it, thought. It would, it would, it would be an answer. And you know, at this point, if you ask me whether I'd push the button on that or not, I probably would. But I would be very sad doing it because I'd be like, damn, just because 
you don't want to read some books and talk. I mean, even if you're dumb, if your IQ is like significantly below, if your IQ is significantly below average, then say asking questions like, what do you think the nature of reality is? What is good and what is bad is just cruel. Yes. Okay. If they're significantly, because it's, it's, there's no point, but that doesn't describe a lot of our population because a lot of our population has a da -da -da, average IQ. So for most human beings, the overwhelming majority of human beings, say say somebody comes in and they're racist as fuck. And they're like, name you name a race. Go on, Pierre, you name a race. Klingon. Fucking Klingons. They fucking come here. Those fucking Mars bar headed motherfuckers <laughs> who want to fuck our women. They want to steal all their jobs, blah, 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 blah. And then you sit down with them. And you chat to them about Klingons and you chat to them about Klingon culture. And then they watch a documentary about Klingon culture and they watch little Klingon babies being born and playing with their wrinkly headed Klingon moms. And, and then they're made to go live and pick strawberries with Klingons for three months and, you know, learn Klingon songs and shit. There's just no way that any human being in the whole history of humanity ever came back from that as racist as they were when they began. It just doesn't exist. So what's the problem? Is it racism? No, the racism is nothing. Racism is never anything. It's ignorance and it's trauma. The world, like Hitler wasn't a bad dude because of racism. He was a bad dude because of ignorance and because of trauma. He's a heavily traumatized individual. So these are the things that, that to me are more important. And it's, um, it's like a logical fallacy. It's a logical fault. All Jews are fill in the blank. And you're like, seriously, dude, all of them, including your maternal grandmother, Hitler, because you're a bit Jewish and you're a bit uptight about the fact that you're a bit Jewish. Right, right. So, like, for example, we come up with a USB stick to erase racism, to give everybody critical thought and everybody to be more spiritually advanced and stuff like that. I'm thinking, okay. Wouldn't that be like similar? I don't know. I'm not even a Star Trek person, but I know what like Spock is like in the, his species, which is a fairly drier, emotionless, kind of like logical and reasonable, but with no fire, no heart. And I think those are the things that define our human reality is the fact that we can that we fuck up all the time. And there's never really a boring moment. Even being bored is actually a traumatizing, crazy experience, too, mm. where I feel like. It's not necessarily like it's better off being traumatized and fucked up in every single way. But man, imagine our human society without any of it. What would there be to hold on to that would define us as human? Is that the next level of, uh, of human evolution that is it's going to benefit us in any way? Or is it just going to be just boring? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you change... Uh... We're talking in terms of evolution, which takes hundreds of thousands of years. But I would say even within an individual's lifetime, they live more than one life and they are more than one person. Yeah. There are things that I really, really, really enjoy doing now that in order to get the level of pleasure that I get from, I would have had to have spent like a night out snorting cocaine all night, got into a fight, ended up sleeping with a stranger. That was the level of stimulation that I would have needed in my 20s. Now it's like, oh, I go to the gym, come back, read a really good book, watch Sunset, and I'm definitely happier with that. 
and yeah to an external point of view there's no story there you can't you can make a film about a night out with me snorting coke and shagging strippers and punching the fuck out of people but there's no film in me going to the gym and going home reading the book so do we forego the drama will we forego drama in order to mature i hope so right i hope so that's ultimately the question that's a great question say that again would we forego will we forego drama in order to mature all humans have to do that not in terms of human evolution but in their lifetimes can you take a can you be malleable do you have the neuroplasticity to say okay what i thought was really cool and really important when i was 21 which to me would have been being a gangster can i change that by the time i'm 41 whereas i look at like gangsters now and i'm like you fucking inept posturing buffoon why did you never grow up why can't you handle your own shit you you have lived through that and you have fulfilled that quota of you know as a primal basic human spiritual desire which is a bit of fire a bit of uh excitement a bit of life because somebody who would grow up without any of that they reach 50 and they're like well, fuck, I never, you know, went through my affairs and gang member shootings and, and stuff like this. And they just are just so resentful and miserable because there's none of that. They never actually put themselves into the realm of chaos, which is beneficial for the human spirit for some odd reason. But we look at that as if it should be completely condemned and we shouldn't be a part of it at all. And it would be great if we can move past drama and these types of situations. But at the same time, it seems like it's necessary and inevitable as a human being. I, I don't I don't think it's necessary. I think that I could have done without all that um, yeah. had I just had guidance. Um, you know, you know, had I just had strong male role models about me. I think there were essential parts of the experience. Um, alcohol and drugs were probably an essential part of the experience because I needed to know what a fucking downer it is, what what a load of shit it is ultimately. Um, in my utopian world, yeah, you would have access to all that and it would just be freely given to you so you wouldn't be such a baby about it. You wouldn't attach to it as some cheeky, naughty taboo. You go, go on then, go and get drunk, go and snort cocaine, let me know how you feel in the morning. Oh, you fucking hate yourself. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> now you've learned what that fucking feels like. Have sex, travel, all, all the rest of it. Violence is not really necessary and, and self-harm. I mean, I was right. I, I could have I could have ended up dead. So travel, maybe some experience with some drugs, experience with foreign culture, that's important. Meeting a lot of people, that's enough, I think, um, to make to make would, a man of you, to make a woman of you. Would you uh consider those things drama, like traveling and just all those types of things that the second half there, would you consider that drama? I would consider it useful trauma. Okay. Useful trauma. Do you, so my question is, do you think for the human spirit, is it necessary for drama or if you want to use that term, useful trauma as well? Um, probably. I mean, again, it's an evolutionary question where we are now. Definitely. Like if you gave me, again, you'd have to do it at the point of a gun, a uh, hundred lost young men and you wanted me to grow them up. Um, the methodologies I would be would be primal. It would be like, OK, you little fox, we're going to do some martial arts training. Oh, you think you're fucking tough. OK, you're going to do MMA now and you're going to train for hours. 
until you hate violence because it's just a source of pain and discipline. So you, it, it would be that kind of reframing, but it would be quite primal. But that's that's where we as a species are up to. So I think there's a question of like long term evolution and short term evolution. And so in the long term evolution, we as a species have to go through chaos and trauma to wake up. And then as a human being, we have to go through chaos and trauma to wake up. But along that timeline, where we hit a point of evolution, it might not be necessary anymore. You just don't mm. need to go through the suffering in order to grow and be fulfilled. I'm thinking about the technological implementation on this theory here. So say, for example, what if there comes to a point where you put on VR goggles that you're coming of age as a 13-year-old human boy in the year 3000, and then you go through a simulation of war and be like, okay, see how fucking painful that was? Yeah, Don't do it. Perhaps. If it was more than VR goggles, if it was the the you know the again science fiction, the the future where you stick somebody inside of a God, there was a Scottish author who laid this out, and he did a really good job of it. Somebody write in the comments, the Scottish science fiction author. Um, you actually went inside of a, a um, like a, a a pod with with uh, gel fluid in it, so Ooh. they could recreate every fucking sensation. So that your central service, because if, if you can see the pixels, your terror will always be reduced. You'll be like, oh, it's not really real. I know it just feels real. No, no, no. You'll be fully immersed to the point where you're like, maybe my real life was the dream. And this is the reality. You've got to feel terror. You've got to feel despair. That's exactly what heavy psychedelics do. Now that I think about it. Ayahuasca, peyote, whatever you want to take but it basically simulates and makes you relive trauma that you've suppressed and in a simulation basically within your head but also there's so many stories of people literally reliving and re-watching everything that they went through and because they're forced to relive through it they recognize the trauma and realize that maybe i do need to move on from this yes yeah yeah so that yeah there is a there's probably a like if you're stuck in a certain mode of being, it seems that that if you're stubborn, and we are stubborn uh, as a species, maybe pain's the only thing that can move you. Like for me at the moment, being immobile, being completely immobilized for weeks on end is a, is, is traumatic. It's 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 a pain, but also I see it it's, it changes me. It's changing me. It's a new experience and. I can't think of many times in my life where I'd be like, "Oh, this is a new experience, and it's it's making me worse." This is it's a it's a good it's a good experience, though it's tough. Interesting. When I think of new experience, for me, it's usually adding, 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 adding. Because you're ADHD like me, but this is my new experience: <laughs> is to fucking stay inside. Exactly. And your new experience you know, is something that's just so important that's taken away from you, which is your mobility, especially for somebody that's super physical too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um. But it does it it has a consciousness alterating um effect it has a consciousness because i have to there was in um it wasn't a harry it was a harry potter spin-off movie and there was a, a a dragon that would expand or contract to the size of the vessel that held it so if you put it in a cup it shrinks the size of a cup if it goes inside of a huge building it expands the size of the building okay. our consciousness is like that and now my consciousness has to, my being has to go into a small cup and I have to make myself smaller. I'm, I speak less. I do less. I don't speak with as much volume for this period because this is, this is what it is. 
How is it? How is it treated? How do you feel about it? And it, what what part of you is changing, if anything? Um. Well, it was always going to be a, with the with the knee that was injured. It was always going to be something of an ego. <coughs> so there's a, there's a degree of um, ego dissolution that is right, taking yeah. place. Okay. Because at the at the you know um, I didn't I, I I can I can just see looking at my way of interacting in the world is quite um it's quite yang it's quite high energy and it's 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 intimidating people uh, but i can't do that now so people treat me differently just the fact that i have a brace on people look at me differently they treat me completely differently and i have to interact with them in a different way in what way do they look are they more condescending or like do they try to like help you it varies it varies it varies like yeah some 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 guy might look at me in a way that he wouldn't look at me if i didn't have a fucking brace on um, and then other people, like older people, might be kinder to me um, in a way that they wouldn't be if I didn't have a brace on. It's just different. It's just different. And I notice the difference. I go, okay, that's that's interesting. That's an interesting thing. It's kind of like um, it's really hard to put into words. I wouldn't have said that I was a particularly aggressive um, or bullying or loud person. But then having this experience, I'm like, well, there was definitely more energy coming off me before doing something with people. There's like a really heavy contrast with with the amount of energy that you were putting out, and now it's showing you maybe the the, the types of behaviors that you now have to omit. It's showing you mm. all the stuff that you've done. I think I think my in my in my general daily life for the for the age that I am, I kind of act in a way that is kind of young, and that's good, and that's yeah. that's fine. Um, but also not being that is fine as well. So there's, there's, there's this sort of like, okay, uh, you are a finite being, you're mortal, and you are aging. So just be aware of that, dickhead. And I'm like, oh shit, okay, okay. Because I, I got I, this happened because I was training too hard, and and we think that the the ACL went because I was training too hard. And then the actual damage to the femur is because I then trained after the ACL had snapped. I trained after I went to see the doctor. And um, we, we think that that's, that's what I've done. So it's like, okay, I'm obviously gonna have to rethink how I do things here. Do you think there's a, a metaphysical element to all of this? It's like, yeah. hey, we see your, your ego getting to this point here. Perhaps we well, you a lesson. Yeah, your knee is your knee is pride. It's ego. Bending the knee is a metaphor. Is a metaphor for submission. And the left side of your yeah, yeah. And the left side of your body is the feminine side of your body. It's the yin side of the body. How weird! It's just the way it is, man. It's just the fucking way it is. <laughs> so, is there is there one thing that you just absolutely crave doing, but you can't do it because you can't move? Yeah, kicking the fuck out of a bag. Getting in the gym. What do you do to, to, to release that aggression if you can't fucking do anything? Um, at the at the moment, fire back like, comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, smash comments on YouTube, you motherfuckers. I, uh, I, I just, I, as I said, I just end up just deleting, just deleting a whole lot. I have to manage my uh, my mindset because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in this state, um, in a much weakened state for the next three to six months. So I have to manage my mindset because otherwise I'll just drive myself crazy. So yeah, there's a there's a degree of uh, self discipline, but it's it's not 
it's not that hard. Like once you get into it, it's not, I'm not like going, fuck this, fuck this sucks. I hate this. I'm just like, oh, well, this is what I have to do. Yeah, this is what I have to do. Yeah. You know, even, even your situations making me realize like maybe I should like maybe use my legs a bit more and maybe go to the gym while it's still young, here. <laughs> young man, get in there and enjoy it and, and just, just enjoy it, man. Just like when you're doing it, when you're doing your leg presses or your squats, just be like, fuck, I have legs that work. That's really cool. I can run. I have lungs that work. That's really cool. I can lift weights. This is really fucking cool because it is really cool. Would, in, in this state, would you ever think about indulging in VR and just like... I thought you were going to say sex and I'd be like, yeah, but I have to lie on my back and she has to do everything and she, I can't touch my knee. <laughs> Shit, I do that with my knees totally fine, man. <laughs> <laughs> Lay back. Let it happen. V, um, v, VR, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do VR at the moment. Sure, why not? I we're went. Not, to, we're still talking about sex, though, right? That I wouldn't do that. No, that dude. dude, I went. Oh, I, I got to tell you. So my friend took me to. What happened was in in the daytime we went to the trampoline park and that was so much fucking fun. Like literally flipping around and like I was beating the shit out of kids on the balance beam with the baton, you know. Like mm -hmm. it came up like left and right, and I'm like, ah, didn't let any of them win, man. It felt great. And then later in the day, when we tried going to see the jellyfish. We actually, do you remember that mall that we went to and there was pictures of jellyfish all over the fucking place? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to go there. The line was way too long. So I was like, you know what? There's a virtual reality like arena in the city center. And only in Prague can you just hop from these things to the next in 30 minutes. It's insane. Yeah. I go there and the virtual reality thing was unlike have you have you ever just put on the goggles uh you know i don't think i ever have dude just even just putting the goggles on it's the most surreal experience and i've done psychedelics man this thing is an experience in itself that's comparable to that it's crazy you put them on and you're literally in a different world you can choose anywhere you look around you can simulate a living room or you can be in outer space and if you're in a setting where you're like in an elevator and it goes down, you feel in your body the gravitational shift of the thing moving and you're still just standing on the floor. Right. It's the weirdest thing in the world. So we get in there, put on the goggles and put on the vest. First thing, we're in outer space and this giant platform is just descending and you can just feel your body moving with that. And on top of this arena... For example, they would have a fence, but then in real life, they have like a mock plastic wood fence, like you can actually touch. But in your goggles, it projects a fence right. of ancient medieval Prague. So you're looking around and you're seeing people in medieval outfits and stuff while you're touching an actual fence and you feel it. Yeah. And it's the weirdest disassociation and association that you'll ever have because after we left we were in there for 30 minutes straight only 30 minutes i couldn't imagine being there for three hours like how much how integrated everything would be but you would touch things mm. and you'd be like like is is this water bottle like actually a water bottle is there like something underneath it and this is just the skin that's just being projected onto it it was that's crazy man yeah so so you, you you enjoyed it i enjoyed it man and i think that 
when this thing becomes commercially accessible, I don't know what's going to happen with people other than they'll never leave the house for one thing, but it's going to definitely instigate some sort of psychological shift in how people view the world. And I have no idea what that's going to end up like. And if you yeah. have any thoughts, I'd love to know, man. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think it's inevitable. The, the, the propagation of VR is, is, is inevitable. Um, I, I am slightly nervous about it because I know where we've gotten up to historically um, and, and where, where we're at now. Like People will dive into the Matrix pods. You won't have to force them in at gunpoint. There will be no war with the machines as there was in the Matrix that the machines eventually win and they shove humans in. People would willingly uh, get into the VR pods now. Um, which, you know, uh, is, 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 is cool on one level. You can have a lot of experiences in, in there, which is good, but it's not what I would choose for humanity. It's not, it's not what I would hope for. Why? Um, I would see that as blue pilling. I would see that as copping out. We have our challenges here in this, in this simulation. <laughs> I don't know whether I don't know whether the right thing to do is just go, ah, this is too fucking hard, it's too difficult, fuck it, let's go into this other simulation, only for us to live in that simulation and then create a new simulation and then go into that one because it's too fucking hard in that one as well. <laughs> we go into that simulation, we're like, ah, oh, the taxes are really high in this one. Fucking buses don't run on time, fuck it, let's make a new one. But I mean we're already we're already seven levels deep. I don't think we should go any further. But like if the simulation is just better in so many ways, why stay in this reality to try to fix, even if you don't even want to be a part of it? Um, I would rather have a degree of success in a half broken world than complete success in a fabricated world. But why though? Because that fabricated world would technically be reality at that point. It's so heavily integrated that it has just as much weight. Uh, well, it smacks to me of cowardice. It seems cowardly. <laughs> so it's an integrity thing there. It's an integrity thing. I don't. Uh, it's it's just too. It's too. It's too. It's a cop out. It's a cop out. We can what? fix this one. We can fix this. We shouldn't just burn the house and leave. We should fix the house we've got. Okay, say if the house we have right now is usable, you know, it's it, it's functions, you know, it's we got maybe got past some maybe some serial murder, you know, like the big stuff, like well, it's like it's there, but then you have the simulation, right? And then on top of that, the simulation is where you can actually benefit monetarily, like financially, you can genuinely have real power in that case. And you can genuinely have an impact in the virtual world as well. Would that change your view of the VR what, world? So I would, I would uh, say that again. Do I have to live in the virtual world all the time, or could I go in and out of it? You could, you could go in and out of it. But I'm just because your view is that you would rather not be a part of it because you'd rather, you know, live here. It's less yeah. cowardly to, yeah. to do that. But yeah. what if? The struggles and the challenges in the virtual world actually had a genuine benefit and a genuine impact on in real real reality, but virtual reality when it's seventy five percent of a person's life. 
Um, that would change things. I mean, again, back to science fiction, that's like Ender's Game, where um, you could say that, oh, we have to fight an alien species that's attacking the planet, but the, to pilot the planes that fight the aliens, you have to jump into VR to do it, or you have to be in VR to fight a virtual war or, or something, or solve mathematical equations or whatever the fuck it is. Then yeah, that that would be that would be different. Um, but that's a different setup than oh, uh, this reality stinks. Everything's cool in this fake reality. Let me just jump into the fake reality. Okay, I see. So you're saying because like save save one day. I mean, everything is technic almost technological warfare nowadays. You know, you get security cameras everywhere and Bitcoin and you know all this other type of things that are just technologically based. Like say for example, you're in the virtual reality world and there's so much infrastructure based in the virtual world that then somebody's trying to hack it and the only way to defeat the hack is like you go in it yourself <laughs> with laser guns shooting three-headed i, I think I'd, I'd let all the fantasists go in there there'd, there'd be people shoving me out of the way who would be desperate to do to fight the the fake laser battle in the VR. <laughs> you wouldn't do it but if you knew that would save virtual humanity I don't give a fuck about virtual humanity. <laughs> but, <laughs> what humanity can kiss my ass. But, but the infrastructure is so heavily ingrained in how we interact with each other and everything else is like it almost has just as much weight. Um, well, we kind of already live in that world now. I mean, like the the social media. Yeah, right. Does does have its own its own gravity. The the virtual world that we already have, and um, I do not give a fuck about it. Not a single solitary fuck if it wasn't key to uh, uh promoting my brand and my message i wouldn't touch it i use it for personal reasons zero oh sorry except the consumption of youtube videos as we discussed which i don't even know is social media in this it's not I, I don't post comments i'm not posturing on on youtube like oh i'm cleverer than everybody else when I can, when I consume, I just I consume it. I might hit a like. I might occasionally say this was really cool. Thank you for uploading, but that's it. I don't I don't use it for anything else. So I don't give a fuck about virtual worlds. So, <laughs> so what would you rather do? Like, say for example, you like sitting on the beach, open water, mm -hmm. see a sunset. But mm -hmm. if you could simulate that reality. And also add a fucking flying whale off in the distance. You can ride a seal through the water and you mm. can do all these stuff that you couldn't do somewhere in Spain. Yeah. Um I would I'd try it for a minute, but it <laughs> wasn't buying it. <laughs> I, I I I kind of I think this is where I would go from like a philosophical to a spiritual perspective. It's a really interesting series of questions you've asked me. And I'm kind of answering them in a, in, a, in a way that a theist would. It's like I believe there's a purpose to life. If you ask me, do I think there's a purpose to life? I'm probably like, oh, I don't fucking know. No, it seems to be chaos. But the fact that I'm answering your questions, which is like a thought experiment in this way, is an indication that actually I think that we are supposed to be here. And the puzzle that is laid before us is our dharma. It is our duty. to. Uh, to that to is right. It. Yeah, the way that you are answering it implies that there's some sort of responsibility within yeah. this reality now what yep, is a job to be that? done yeah what mm. is that job then elevation of consciousness i think i think the buddhist i would reach for buddhism on that one or the or the vedas it's elevation of consciousness that's that's, that's the task 
But do you think that virtual reality could aid in the elevation of consciousness? Aid? Definitely. I mean, but virtual reality is not new in that sense. That's what meditation and visualization is for. That also and is virtual reality. That is true. Because in my opinion, I think virtual reality is the most <laughs> physical and tangible way to, in a sense, elevate consciousness, depending on what you consume. But yeah. just by the mere act of putting on the damn goggles, look, I have, I have them right here, to put on the damn goggles like this, and then knowing that whatever you're touching, you can tactically feel with your hand, and then realizing yeah. that everything is just a projection through the lens, that forces you to change and shift your consciousness. The you're way, you're way more impressed about picking up a cup in virtual reality than I ever could be in my whole life. I don't. You wouldn't you wouldn't be impressed by that, really? I can pick up a cup in this reality. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. but, but what's interesting is that this cup might not actually be a cup. It's just like the skin that your mind is projecting on it, and who knows what's really beneath it. This is a generational thing, and it's to do with technology. I've watched my uh, my ten year old uh, co uh, cousin and my friend's kid. They're both ten, and they both play this virtual reality game where you work in a shop or an what? office. Yeah, it's real, and they're like, "Oh, this is so cool!" And I'm like, "You could be killing zombies, which is what I would do if I was there, or doing martial arts, like doing Street Fighter, but street, you know, virtual. That's what I'd be doing." These guys work in a shop. They're ten, and they choose their favorite game is to work in a shop, and they move like a paper clock cup from one side of the office to the other. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, "This is creepy as fuck. Why are these kids doing this?" <laughs> They're playing a virtual reality game of what they'll almost certainly be doing for the rest of their lives. Wow. I actually want to ask you about this because um, there's this there's this idea that, I mean, we could be living in simulation, but yeah, okay. But why is the one of the number one selling PC games is The Sims? Why is it that the game that people can universally enjoy and play is a simulation of the most domestic elements of a human being? Washing dishes, flipping, making a house, finding a wife, and then just living out a domestic thing. And gen gen generally, from the people that I've asked, they love the game. And I played it when I was younger, too, and I still like it to a certain degree. Why is it that that, that thing is so entertaining and it's so fulfilling for some reason for us? I have no fucking idea. And when I find out that things like that exist, I start to wonder if I'm an alien from another planet. When people gather around the television sets to watch. In England, we have Celebrity Love Island, which would be like the equivalent of like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette in America, or they're watching daytime soaps, <laughs> telenovelas of life in Mexico, but you're a Mexican living in Mexico and you're watching people do the same shit that you're doing. We have it in the UK, it's called Coronation Street, EastEnders. Working class people watch working class people live working class lives and they're fascinated by it. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? That's literally your life. Oh, she fell out with John and then John was shagging Mary and then your car broke down. I'm like, that's a description of what happened to you in your life last week. Why do you want to watch that on the TV? It's fucking insane to me. Completely hmm. insane that you would want my, to do that. Yeah, my theory is the, the rel relatability behind it and it validates their own existence knowing that there's other people to say, hey, 
me too, not in the mm -hmm. hashtag me too way, but me too, I can totally understand like this type of lifestyle and it validates that that person actually exists. I have a question for you. Okay. And this is going to reveal a very, very deep difference between us. If you could have a perfect virtual reality experience of anything, what would your first choice be? Of anything? Yeah. Oh, fuck, that's ambiguous, man. It's, it's You've got weird. five minutes. You've got five minutes of any experience you can think of. What would you want to know what it felt like to do? Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a weird flex, but I'm already kind of doing what I would have done in virtual reality three years ago, which is live in right. Prague and flip, right? Yeah. But Okay, so then this would just be another otherworldly thing then. It would have to be so incredibly surreal. Um, probably like, okay, it would be exploration of a completely strange novel society on another planet like right. completely different species kind of like how star wars had their own little like planets and stuff it would be to, to basically go to a simulation of just a completely different way of running things different species different everything that's what i would do yeah i asked myself in the the question when i was formulating it and i was like oh fuck i'm such a nerd Mine was I would want to experience what it was like to be uh, in a battle in medieval times. Yes. Which means there's nerdism and there's boyishness there. I just <laughs> want to know what that felt like just for five minutes. I just feel like I fucking know what it feels like to be in a full-scale charge or in a full-scale battle like that. This brings that's what I, that's what I would want to do. So this brings a, a subject that I, I we gently just glazed over like – a while ago but it's the fact that for example the idea of what the let's just say the the average masculine role in medieval times and tribal warrior archetypes and stuff like that like since we live in the modern world where everything's fairly domesticated and kind of sterilized the idea of the warrior the spartan or the i mean god knows what the samurai or whatever else um is basically eradicated there's not really a role unless you go to the military but that's just it's not even the same type of element what would you is there a way to substitute that sensation and what how does it let's say externalize in this world and is it necessary on top of that because when i when i talk to you and when i see what your drives are like what you're saying here is like you, I feel like you have a really deep desire to be that warrior archetype, but there is not really an outlet for that in the world that we live in now. Which is why I'm not that technology friendly, because tech stole all that from us. Yeah, that's that makes sense. That makes sense, man. Post post the industrial revolution, because people will talk about World War One and World War Two, um, but that was already, you know, the reason why World War One was so incredibly traumatic psychologically was because nobody knew what nobody had seen that before the level of uh you know mechanization of weapons would just ne never be seen before where you just have hundreds and thousands of, of humans being destroyed at the flick of a button um so yeah it changed everything uh, no there is no expression of it i still i told you when i was in prague i had a dream about joining the uh yeah i remember that 
territorial army. I was on the website. I was like, I'm ready to go. Sign me the fuck up. But it wouldn't. It's not going to do it. No, there isn't. That is basically the answer to the question is none. That's really? why you have like a crisis in masculinity, technology. Um, there are some guys out there like, oh, it's feminism that's done it. It's feminism that's created this. I'm like, no, you're pointing your finger in the wrong direction. It's technology that's done this. Interesting. Because uh, throughout the years, for some reason, there's this like odd uh, pattern with the the people that I end up getting close with. And I've had uh, a lot of friends that would fit more of the jockish types, like, you know, really uh, muscular, bigger, and kind of like way more jockish in, in what they enjoy and stuff. And, you know, but it was funny to see them, not funny, it was kind of actually sad to see the, their 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 direction in life and trying to figure out what they really wanted to do to do because i had a friend that was like super like it was he could like backflip and do these crazy gymnastics and he could he was quite fearless when it came to the physical things in general and he was thinking about joining the air force or something like this and then my my cousin who's a bit more of a, a gangster or whatever else now he's like a barber you know and it's just like a barber's a gangster man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. And it's it's interesting to see that, like, usually these personality types would be, or not, it's not a personality type, it's a, it's a whole, you know, archetype in general. They would genuinely just have, like, a place in society and be, you know, revered, and uh, it's a fairly stable position that they would have in the hierarchy or whatever. But now, the day, the, in the world that we live in now, it's just, like, that's so eradicated that they don't necessarily have the role that would fulfill what they would have been like a warrior back in the day for. And, and then now they're just doing cutting hair or just trying to start a social media page or something. I mean, you, you've, summed it, you've summed up the problem very, very well. Um, there was a, an element to that that I would add that would give people some dimension to it is brute strength was right. an extremely precious and very, very heavily needed resource for all of human history, except for the last, not even a blink of the eye, in the last 5,000 years, since yeah. since writing was invented, which we think is about 5,000 years ago in Sumeria, that's when the need for raw brute strength just went down and down and down until now. And what have we seen in the last 100 years? Apparently studies are showing that like our testosterone levels are crashing. They're crashing. Because we're not manly men are just not there's no what do we i mean you can be a bodybuilder uh you can compete and do powerlifting you can do gymnastics you can do mma but we all know that written into the hard um into the software of these activities as manly and as potent they are as they are they're ultimately impotent because this is not the thing that moves the world anymore. I can do a beautiful Superman punch. It's beautiful. It has no fucking usable <laughs> application in the world at all, ever. That's hilarious, man. And, and it's so true. And a part of me loves it because this is my justice from growing up like a scrawny, nerdy child that just purely brains and no brawn at all. So it, it's, it's funny for me to see like, okay, look, you can throw people in arm bars. You can throw Superman punches. You know, you could probably slice a motherfucking throat with a katana or whatever else. But it's like, in the end, the world that we live in, there is genuinely just no place for that at all. And, and even like in self-defense settings, like you, you have to be really careful of when to be physical in those times. 
Well, even, yeah, absolutely. And even if you start looking at like um, soldiering, military duties now, um, James Bond as a character, people keep saying to me like, oh, what's going to happen? Who's going to be the next James Bond? I'm like, it's a redundant character. Just just cancel it. Just can it. Just, no espionage works like that anymore. And it hasn't done since the 60s. Unless you're going to put James Bond back in the 60s, which would be an impotent gesture. It's pointless. It's like, oh, okay, here's some old guy who we don't fucking need anymore. Um, it, it just doesn't work like that because of technology. The technology just doesn't need special agents and special forces guys. And it's just, it's just not, it's just not that. And if you're a special forces guy, you're going to be highly, highly trained in technology. You have right. to be, you have to be. But, so um, you're, you're saying that there is really no parallel substitute for what that warrior or manly masculine man. Only as a game, only as a game and games are for children. So like yeah. Muay Thai, MMA, boxing, powerlifting. Yeah, great. It's cool. I, you know, I'll, I'll be doing stuff like that until the day I die because it's what's in me. But as much as I enjoy it, I'm also like, nobody really gives a shit. Nobody really outside of these clicks gives a shit. But it used to be that which made the world. So that was the point I was going to make is I like, just remember in terms of human evolution, you ate because somebody was strong. You didn't get raped and have your skull smashed in today because somebody was strong. You live because you know what I mean? It was it was abs it was the sine qua known of survival was brute strength. Is there a way that this type of masculinity manifests in the context that we live in now? Like would fuck, I don't know, I can't think of an example. Like what about um I don't know. I can't I can't exactly think of something, but this type of masculinity does it manifest it in does, our world? It does, maybe? but it, it's but it's twisting now. It's anima yeah. possessed. It's possessed with its with its opposite. So we're now, yes, you have manly men, MMA fighters, powerlifters, bodybuilders who spend all their time on social media showing what they can do to be consumed by others in return for likes, which is that, a ladies it's a that's a woman's right. expression of power. I will fight, uh, the, the knights will fight for my favor. A favor was a physical object. A favor was, a, was um, a, a beautiful cloth made of silk. The knights fought with their long lances, their big stand-in cocks and bashed their cocks together and knocked each other over. And they fought for the, the favor of the lady and she would offer this uh, silk cloth. So it's that now men are fighting for the favor of ladies men kids old people strangers faceless people that they're seeing online it's feminizing it's infantilizing so in that sense it's the world is tilted i think this i think the it's not that third wave modern faux feminism isn't a problem it absolutely is it's a totally poisonous ideology but i think technology is getting um, a free pass it feminizes everything Social media formats are, to me, highly feminine formats because it's right. beauty and spectacle, which is good. Women are good. I love women. I love yin. I love the female perspective. I love beauty. I love spectacle and aesthetic. But that's not my world. <laughs> that's not me. That's not me. Now, what can I do as a man? I can either be ignored or as a man who is more masculine in that way, I adapt and go, well, I don't want to be ignored. So I better go and do some selfies. Right. And I think that's 
quite funny because it's like the the way that you can externalize masculinity would be to work out and get super buff, but you finish it off with the most feminine activity, which is to take a camera, to take a picture of yourself posing in a way that would get the attention of others and perform. Yeah, don't let them off the hook. They're also waxed. Yeah. They're also <laughs> waxed. You know, they're completely waxed. They're, they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. I'm like, I, I don't even know how I'm supposed to respond to them. I'm like, what, 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 what is this? <laughs> they're, 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 they're waxed. Their eyebrows are plucked. Um, they're using um, as much economically, they're using as much makeup as any woman. It's, it's, people cite that statistic a lot. Men's makeup tends to be more expensive than women's makeup, generally speaking. But even so, they are spending as much as women on makeup. Um, so, yeah. And then they're like, look at me. Am I not beautiful? And I'm like, well, who are you trying to be? Like, what's you're a beautiful spectacle. Okay. But is that what men are? Is that a, is that an expression of, of, of masculine polarity or a female polarity? And my argument, I had this argument um, with with Anthony of 21 Studios, the video's still up where he was sending people dick pics. And I'm like, that's a feminine thing to do. You're trading off your the beauty and the aesthetic appeal of your body. That's not what men do. We are the pursuers, not the pursuees. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who admire, not the admirees. Interesting. Interesting and patriarchal. This guy's a fascist. Deplatform him. Have you heard of the theory that the the sci-fi depiction of an alien with long limbs, with very little uh, muscle, with giant heads, is supposedly, theoretically, the future version of what humans will evolve to? Yes. Yeah, I have. I have heard that, yeah. Yeah, he sounds so disappointed. <laughs> We're already well on our way. I mean, you look around now. Um, I mean, it's 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 a whole other it's a whole other thing. Like the the movement towards VR um, is going to happen. The uh, there's a point that I was going to make before that might be interesting to people. Um, there's two ways this can go as far as the, the the men and women thing is. What we're doing right now is we're eradicating men and eradicating women. So there's just people so that we can all get along, which is an option. Um, and it has consequences. I'm, just, I'm not saying that's good or bad. Or we can remain men and women can remain women and we can love that women are women and women can love that men are men. But there is no other option. There isn't like a grade three or like, I oh, know I want men to be men. Like I as a man want to be a man and I want women to be women, but I can't hate women for being women. You, I, I can't be like be be more like eh, be more like this meet me in the middle do you know what i'm saying and i think there's a lot of, that's a lot of what is happening at the moment um but you asked me before um about the vr situation that's that's our inevitable uh, the path that we're on now this quantum reality that's the path we're on that's right. the path we're definitely going on androgynous bland sexless pallid chubby like because we're abandoning our bodies well nobody's properly fat they're just like chubby um eating shit food consuming shit you know media and then we just get in the pod why because it's nice in the pod you have a very cynical view of this whole thing because i think vr might (laughs) be the savior to a certain degree because 
I think the the types of software and games or whatever the fuck you want to call it, it could definitely be used in a way. For example, like I think with those omni treadmills or whatever else, imagine having one there and then you're able to run through a safari or something like this from a fucking lion and you're able to like actually have a tactile bow where there's like resistance to the thing and you're running as you're exercising because that's the only way that I feel like I could genuinely exercise and be entertained while doing it too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so in my opinion, I think in, in the virtual reality world, there could it has this potential for for a more beneficial route. Yeah, you could definitely get people to exercise more. The meditation route, uh, definitely. Uh, you mentioned meditation before, and we didn't really pick that up. Um, but you could, uh, for trauma resolution, <laughs> VR has a huge scope for skill development, trauma resolution, and everything else. Um, I just don't want to see people live in any more than they already do. Um, the, you know, I want, I want to knock smartphones out of people's hands. I want to take them away from from VR generally. But if it's used in a very conscious way with a very specific objective, then I think it would be, uh, it, it could be great. Absolutely. And, and you said salvation. It really could be. Yeah. I just can't see it go any other way, especially with how much we're on our phones now. The moment this thing gets implemented and it's easily accessible like a laptop, I mean, I just can't see people being like, well, I mean, I could just travel to Egypt in two seconds by putting these goggles on, but I don't want to. You know, they're yeah. going to be like, yeah, I'll take me to Egypt. I want to see what this is like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what, uh, if it's, if it's done, if it's done carefully, if it's done consciously and uh, with a lot of intent, um, I could see it being very, very useful. If it's done to placate, um to entertain or to help people to run away from their problems then that will weaken everybody everybody will be one de degree weaker and as far as the gym goes all that needs to happen is for me to come back to prague go to the gym with you and i'll infect you with the joy of lifting heavy things and getting a sweat on you'll love it it's addictive it's wonderful more than flipping not more than flipping that's not true I, I lied but that's what I'm going to tell you when I get there to entice you to go. Like, to I'm, I'm already more open to doing it. I'm willing to do it soon as well. It's just like with flipping, there is a second, there's a primary component of fun. And then the physical is the second element, yeah. you know, with just yeah, yeah. lifting. There is, it's just primarily, maybe that's why you like it because it's, just it's a playground. When you go, when we walk into the gym and you're like, fuck, I can't wait to get this workout on. And you've mastered it and you're good at it, which you will get very, very quickly because of your age, your body type and everything. And you'll be getting compliments from, from the ladies very, very rapidly. You're, you're going you're gonna to swell up in size inside of like six months. And that's the time to get you hooked on it without telling you that then your progress will flatline and you basically stay the same. <laughs> it's like all your gains. That's all you gain in, son. No, no. It's, uh, it, but you, you'll do this and then it just kind of like, it just it just levels off but yeah. by then you'll love it you'll love it but then i won't look like a slender k-pop boy for the fangirls to fan over anymore i'll be too yoked for that i i want them to look at you exactly as you are no not the style change nothing changes it's just that your neck is thicker and you have traps and i want them to sit there going how do i feel how do i what is this what do i what's happening <laughs> it's still pierre but 
Oh my God, he's like buff now. Oh my God. I don't even think they, I don't think they like that anymore. I don't I think. I have no idea. I have no I idea how, how they would respond. like a thing anymore for the younger generation. Who cares? We shouldn't, we, shouldn't be doing, we shouldn't be doing things for the reactions of others. We should do it for the pride or glory of Rome. <laughs> so this virtual reality. Uh, the whole social media people. thing is just, it's just such, it's such a load of bullshit. Such a load of it's fucking nonsense, man. Adults taking pictures of the food they eat and then posting it online. Look at what I ate. What, did your mummy not pat you enough on the bottom when you were a child? Get the fuck out of here. Meanwhile, your leg is just resting in a cast <laughs> while you're like, eh, fuck these gays and their virtual reality. <laughs> Fucking hell. Fucking hell. But then, here's the thing, man. In 10 years, you're going to be like, Pierre, you got to show me how to set up this VR thing, man. I got to talk to my people somehow. <laughs> they prefer VR and I need to figure yeah, it they out. Prefer, they prefer VR. Christ knows what they'd be doing. Like if I was in a VR world, they'd be running around me, running behind me. Bukakiing me, and I'd never know. <laughs> I'd be like there going, This is what happens in narcissistic abuse. And remember about. <laughs> well, like, dude, strangers online jack each other off and bukaki me, and I have no idea. That doesn't sound fun to you, man. <laughs> I was saying that's the only good thing about VR. <laughs> that's the, well, that's the only good thing. But, yeah. dude, how funny. Like, you, you know, you imagine doing a lecture and you see like a dolphin. Uh, an owl, an umbrella in the audience. You see, like a, a flower, <laughs> like an alien. Are you mean the avatars? I'm just yeah, you're avatars. <laughs> and you're speaking to like a gorilla. <laughs> like, <laughs> how funny would that be, dude? The if fucking like, zombie oh. apocalypse cannot come fast enough. That's the only dude. scenario where where I come out on top is the zombie dude, apocalypse. You know, and the best part is, is that people watching can change out your skin. So I can yeah. make you a talking gorilla while you're giving your lecture. If I'm bored, that's, you know, if I want to make great. That's fucking just super, super duper. And then the talking gorilla. That's me. They're only going to use it for wanking, Pierre. Why are we pretending that they're going to do like oh consciousness evolution? Everybody's <laughs> wanking themselves to death because they're monkeys. But yo, like imagine though, because like. When I tried it, it was real. And my second thought was, whoa, imagine if you simulated that. Like, how crazy would that be? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <clears throat> the next time I come to Prague, you'll have to take me to the VR place. <clears throat> Here's the thing. And, and in VR, you'll have, you'll have four working legs. Bionic bionic four-legged gorilla dude <laughs> that's what i want and then i'll be like i'm not coming out they'll try and tear the goggles off me i'll be like no get <laughs> you're probably gonna enjoy it more than me man <clears throat> anyway i must go and eat some food now all right i'm gonna go teleport to uh my my vr world to your wank castle stop calling it vr when it's called wank castle these are my wank cattle glasses, ladies and gentlemen. You can call it whatever you want. It's going to happen. In my Jizz empire. <laughs> With that I, love have, I love having this channel. I can't talk like this on Spartan Life Coach. People go fucking crazy.
<laughs> oh, this is great, man. So are we doing this every Wednesday now? Should we announce that? Yeah. Yeah. What time? <laughs> Do we not know the time yet? Same time. Is this a good time for you? Yeah. I guess yeah, Wednesday, after Wednesday afternoon is, is, is good for me. I was going to say I can't do Wednesday night because I have bachata on Wednesday nights, but it's no bachata for me. Mm -mm. Can't do bachata on crutches, can you? Tough guy. Well, if you had VR, you could simulate the whole bachata experience. I'm telling <laughs> you, man. No, because it's VR, you can't kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you respawn. Respawn. Shit. <laughs> all right man good hearing from you and uh i wish you the best of luck with your acl thank you very much for joining us today ladies and gentlemen we appreciate it very much and apparently we're going to be doing it same time next week right Pierre? yes oh yeah i'm ending it now sing them a little song real quick while i while i find the end button mm -hmm. beautiful <laughs>